This is episode 31, and today we're talking about the super vague, age-old topic of how much water should you really drink. I'm also going to talk to you about a few symptoms that you are likely familiar with that are associated with both too little and too much water that you may not have previously thought were linked. Oh, and I've also got a bit of an announcement to share that involves you. So stay on the line. All right, guys, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? How has your week been? You been good? I've been great. One of my best mates, Vincent, got married on the weekend and I was lucky enough to do the best man speech, which was awesome. It's such an honor to be asked to do something like that. So, shout out to the happy couple, Vin and Christina. Love to you both. It was such a beautiful day and I was so grateful to have been included. So, thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful marriage. All right, before we get into this water stuff, I want to announce a competition that I'm putting on for you, for you to win a free 60-minute consult. With yours truly, me, Maddie Lansdowne. Now, I don't give these away for free normally. Normally, what I do is I usually have people make a financial commitment in advance for a minimum of 6 to 12 weeks. But for this one-off scenario, I'm going to be pimping myself out for free for a one-on-one consult via an online connection for you, discussing where your health goals are at, where you want them to go, what your diet looks like, what your lifestyle looks like, and what we can do about improving it. So. You ready? You ready for what you've got to do to be in with a chance to win this banger of a deal? Well, you've got to do three things. And it's pretty easy. It's all social media related. So you don't need to leave your blessed phone, which is good. Makes it nice and easy. So number one, you need to share this episode in your Instagram story and tag me at Maddie Lansdowne. And you can actually share any of the episodes. So it doesn't have to be this one, but any of them in your story and let us know what you thought on Instagram. Number two. Put up a five-star rating on the Apple iTunes podcast player or app or on the computer, wherever you listen to it. And number three, write a review of the podcast for the whole world to see. So, the idea here is that we're doing... This is a two-way street. You and I, we've got a two-way relationship, right? So, I'm giving you free content and not only free content, I'm putting myself out there for a free one-on-one consult. And what you guys can contribute back is these ratings and reviews so that this podcast grows organically because we want it to get bigger and better and exposed to more people out in the world. So that's it. That's all you got to do. Super easy, right? Now, I'm going to pick a winner in 12 episodes time. So that's 12 weeks of this competition that I'll be running. And I'm going to mention different people that enter the competition and read out their reviews in the process so that we can get some momentum with this competition. So on episode 43... Stay tuned and you'll hear if you've been picked as the winner of this one-on-one consult. Now, remember, a lot of these reviews, 65% of all listens and plays of podcasts come through the Apple iTunes platform. And the reality is that all the ones that appear on the aggregator site that distributes podcasts are from the Apple iTunes platform. So, if you do do a rating and review on an app that is not Apple iTunes, Apple or iTunes, then please take a screenshot and send it to me so that I can see that you have entered, okay? So, send it, send it via DM on Instagram or send it to me via email, podcast at Maddie Lansdowne. Super easy, all right? So, I'll be keeping an eye out for who is rating and reviewing and you will be in the chance to win. 
Boom. All right, so today's episode, we are talking about water. Water. And, you know, that age-old question, as I said, how much should you drink? Now, this is so confusing. I'm, I'm just going to give you a couple of different parameters for water intake that I've been given in my life that uh, are not really congruent with one another. So, the most classic example that we all know super well is the eight glasses per day, right? We all grew up with that. You know, teachers taught us that. Our parents taught us that. Our grandma taught us that. Our doctor told us that, right? Another one that I heard when I was younger, when I was a sort of teenager, fairly athletic, doing a lot of sport, was my chiropractor at the time told us that we needed to consume 35 mils per kilogram of body weight. Very specific, right? Um, I've also been told two liters a day. Now, that's kind of along on par with the eight glasses per day. It's about the same volume. So, two liters a day. I've also been told that I should be aiming for four liters per day, okay? I've been told that by a medical practitioner, as well as various other people. And I've also been told that there is no upper limit. Just consume as much water as possible. It's super good for you. Humans don't drink enough. Just drink, 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 drink all day, which I think is terrible advice, <laughs> right? There's all sorts of health, health issues that come as a result of too much water. And I'll, talk, I'll talk about a few of those in a little bit. But these, all, these, uh, all these are super generic statements. And there's a reason that they're generic statements from, you know, whether it be your mum, your dad, your healthcare professional, your doctor. They make these statements because water consumption is so, so, so multivariant. And there are so many factors that influence your, your metabolic requirement for water, your bodily requirement for H2O. So we kind of have to aim for this vague generic target so that we're hitting somewhere in the ballpark of getting the right amount in, depending on what you know, our requirement is for that particular day. And it changes day to day. You know what I mean? Like it changes, like, you know, say you're at work on a Friday, you're hustling behind the desk, you're doing eight to four, seven to seven, nine to five, you're sitting down, you're not doing a heap, you know, you're not doing a heap of physical movement, you're not using your muscles. And then say, you know, you knock off, uh, knock off work that day and then the next day you've got a marathon to run. Obviously, the water intake requirements are drastic. These are two drastic opposite ends of the spectrum examples, but that's the point. These fluctuate. These examples fluctuate. Even each and every day, we're doing different. Something different we might go to the gym. We might go on a marathon. We might uh, just you know, be out in the park. We might just be you know, doing some work at home, but we're exposed to the sun. There's heaps of factors, right? So that's why these sentences and recommendations are vague. And, uh, and I get a bit more skeptical with the super specific ones, okay? Because they're, it's just it's too, too many variables to, you know, the 35 mils per kilogram of body weight to be a particularly useful statement. Maybe the question should be instead of how much water should I be drinking each day? Maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe it should be how hydrated I am. And that's a different question because hydration comes as a combination of electrolytes and water. Right, many depending who you follow online, many people debate the idea that we are sixty percent water, or however much percent water, which I'll talk about in a sec. Because, because electrolytes are immersed in that water, right? So we're not technically water; we're ions, we're electrolyte-concentrated vessels. Very few parts of our body that H2O, water, raw, pure water, will exist. Right, once it goes into the body and it gets put into the system. It is mixed with uh, all sorts of different hormones, chemicals, compounds, DNA, 
uh, electrolytes, all sorts of different things. So some people debate the idea that we're that much water. So, but the point is that hydration comes as a combination of these two things. So what is water used for in the body? Why do we need so much of it? So the average adult, or the average human rather, is 55 to 75% water. On average, the male, the average male is 60% and women a little bit less. And these, this percentage varies based on age, based on diet. For instance, you know, a high-carbohydrate diet, people need more water. It's like when you go on a diet, you lose water weight because usually on diets, people are cutting out carbs and carbs requ- require more H2O to be stored. Depends on your lifestyle. Are you running those marathons on the weekend? You know, or are you a laborer? Do you work outside or work in construction so you've got high sun exposure and you're sweating a lot? You know, these are all factors that play into the percentage that our body sits at with its water content. And also, muscles store water. So, by default, if you have higher muscle percentage, then you're going to have a higher water percentage in your body, which is one of the good reasons why weight training is best beneficial as you get older because we essentially kind of dry out, okay? So, newborn babies are essentially the most highly concentrated water beings that exist and then we kind of dry out as we get older. But however we can... In whichever capacity we can slow that process down by, you know, working out, doing weights as we age to increase our muscle mass so that we're therefore increasing our body's water content, that's beneficial, right? Water is also used as the medium for the movement of electrolytes, okay? So when we get in, you know, that sodium, that potassium into our body and into our blood, water is the medium that moves those molecules and minerals around the body to where they need to go. And we know that with mineral deficiencies and electrolyte deficiencies, we're in, in all, sorts of, all sorts of shit because we need those to function just as much as we need water. And I did actually did an episode on electrolytes. I think it's uh, episode 13, I think, I think from memory. Um, so go check that one out. So it also, we also need water for the detoxification and waste removal from our body. Now, I just want to clear something up before people get too excited about detoxing and just drinking loads of water to detox. So, I want to clarify this. A vast number of toxins and toxicants are actually fat-soluble. So, what I mean, and so is fat, obviously. So, if you're trying to lose weight by drinking tons of water, just drinking water is not going to make the fat move because fat is fat-soluble. And it's the same with a lot of these toxins. They're fat-soluble compounds. So, why does increasing your, or why is water in the body useful for detox? Because The body needs to function correctly in order for successful detox to take place. And in all the organs that are detoxification organs, they contain a high degree of water concentration. So it's not that water pushes these toxins out. It's simply that water allows the body to function more effectively so that the fat-soluble compounds and the fat that we've consumed in our diet can then work upon these toxins to push them out. Right, So I just wanted to clear that up. So just drinking a ton of water isn't going to just flush out the toxins out of your system. You actually need to put fat-soluble things into your body in order to, for those toxicants to dissolve into. That makes sense. I hope it does. Um, talking about waste removal as well, smooth digestion. So it's essentially water acts in many ways by you know, mixing up with different chemicals in the body and molecules and compounds in the body. It acts as a lubricant for your insides, just like inside your mouth, your throat your esophagus, your gut, you know, your intestines, everything. It lubricates it so that everything moves smoothly. It moves smoothly through your system and passes pleasantly out the back end. (laughs) Right? Water also contributes to managing metabolism, okay? So, according to two studies, this this is super interesting. 
According to two studies, drinking 500 mils of water can temporarily boost your metabolism by 25 to 30%. That's huge. Almost a third. A quarter to a third. That's massive. And they actually did a study as well that found that the major thing for daily sleepiness, right, daily tiredness was dehydration. So just drink a bit of water and your fuel's back, right? So if you're feeling a bit sleepy, you don't need, you don't need a, you know, a hit of cocaine. You don't need a bit of MDMA. No, none of that. None of that. No, no coffee. <laughs> you need to get some water into your system, right? And the other thing that water is super good for, well, there's two more that I've got here. Body temperature regulation, of course, because it manages the, you know, if, if you're drying out, you're going to get really hot. There's going to be some shit going wrong. And the big one is electrical conductivity. So the movement of neurons and electrical signals and electrical activity around the body, because that's why we're conductors. That's why humans are conductors. That's why it's possible for us to get electrocuted, because we're loaded with water, you know, electrolyte-filled water, which allows those water molecules to hold charge. And all of these little signals that are going from our brain, around our body, to keep our heart beating, they're all electrical impulses. And if these highways are not wet, they're not lubricated, then, or they start to dry up, then these neurons can't fire or they might hit roadblocks or they might not get to their destination. And this is potentially an area of disease or illness that you might be very unfamiliar with being related to hydration. And I'm talking about, you know, the degradation of neurons. You know, you might not associate that with hydration. But it can definitely be a problem. It can definitely slow those signals down if you are not hydrated. Now, what are symptoms of too little water? Well, you might be familiar with some of these and some of them are pretty obvious. So it can confuse, as I just said, the, the communication between your brain telling you you're hungry when you're thirsty, right? So if you're dehydrated, it can just mess up these signals a bit because these signals, as I just talked about with the electrical conductivity, aren't going to and from where they should as efficiently and as appropriately. And they even did a study as well where they, they experimented with the people with nighttime hunger and they gave them a glass of water to fulfill that hunger. And guess what? Almost everybody in the study had their hunger go away. They were thirsty, not hungry. Their brain was misinterpreting the information. So obviously, you know, increased thirst, having a dry mouth, uh, some obvious ones, getting a headache, you know, as most people know that one. Having dry skin or, um, can be one that you've been dehydrated for a little while, like a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Dizziness is not uncommon. Weight gain is actually one as well. You can be tired or sleepy because your body's not functioning appropriately and it's short-circuiting here and there because there's not enough water in the system. Interesting. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. 
To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. There was one study in women that showed a fluid loss of only 1.36% after exercise, impaired mood and concentration, and increased the frequency of headaches. Now, 1% to 3, 3.6% of body weight is a fair bit if we're talking about the fact that it was just lost in water, right? It was just lost in sweat, right? So, just losing a tiny bit of water out of your system can make, well, this particular group of women, make them grumpy, can make them unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies, drink some water. Uh, there's some other studies that showed that mild dehydration, again, 1% to 3% of body weight, which again is surprisingly large, especially if we're getting close to the 3% of body weight, uh, caused by exercise or heat can harm other aspects of brain function, right? That's huge. You're losing, you know, you're losing water, you're harming your brain function, you're potentially getting less intelligent, you're potentially making worse decisions, you're potentially... You know, you're losing activity to the prefrontal cortex, which is your rational thinking, where you make smart decisions about your diet, about what you put in your body, about how you behave with other people. So, you know, you've got to keep that water up, right? Make good decisions. Keep your brain function optimal. And keep in mind that 1% of body weight is a fairly significant amount if we're just talking about the fact that it was lost in water alone. Uh, And this happens primarily when you're sweating a lot, of course. Now, mild dehydration can also negatively affect physical performance, uh, which should be obvious to you, but as we've discussed in many ways, but not having that water in the body means that a bunch of functions are limited. Now, on on the flip side, I want to talk about symptoms of too much water, and this is actually called hyponatremia, okay? So, overheat... So, overhydration is an imbalance of fluids. It happens when your body takes in or holds too much fluid and your kidneys can't remove it at a quick enough rate. So, your kidneys are under the pump. And uh, I remember actually day one of my degree. So, my foundational degree was uh, forensic science. And I remember my first forensics class. On the first lecture, the professor said to us that, did you know that you can actually die of water poisoning and not drowning? And that when we do autopsies, that's actually something, if the victim has drowned, we actually, it's something that is actively investigated to see if they died of water poisoning or drowning, because it could mean a, a whole host of other things went wrong in that person's body. And I was just mind blown. I was just like, what? Water poisoning? But this is a result of extreme, extreme, extreme hyponatremia, right? Um, so too much water can cause nausea, vomiting, headaches as well. So you've got headaches on the dehydration and the overhydration side of things, confusion, because you're, you know, you're out of balance. Your fluids in your body are out of balance. The nerves aren't running around as quickly as they should be. They're running all over the place and not doing as they should. You can have also a loss of energy, drowsiness, and fatigue. Too much water. You're carrying around too much water. Uh, restless, restlessness and irritability, which kind of falls into the confusion thing because it's a deterioration of mental function. Uh, muscle weakness, spasms or cramps. Now, this is simply because you're out of balance. You've, don't, you've got too much water for the amount of electrolytes. So, the, the movement of fluid in and out of cells cannot happen fast and it cannot happen effectively. You can also have seizures, right? Because again, same thing. The fluid isn't moving in and out of the cells fast enough and this balance of water to electrolytes is what dictates the movement of fluid in and out of cells. Um, and water retention can also be caused by a number of medical conditions that pushes water and salt mineral balance out of whack, right? So, it can be, can be pushed all over town. It's not what you want. 
Now, the question is, now we know a little bit about too much. What happens with too much water, too little water? What about the water you're drinking? Where do you get it? How good is it? Now, I'll probably do another podcast on this, but I'm going to give you a little overview of this stuff. So, let's talk about tap water. So, my, my recommendation is that tap water needs to be filtered, okay? But we've got super good systems in place in the Western world, at least here in Australia, that, you know, kill and purify different bacteria. And as, as anybody in a Western country will know, when you go to a second or third world country where we strictly stick to bottled water because we need to, a lot of countries don't have good, clean, pathogen-killing systems in place to clean their tap water and it's really easy to get infected. But... As I always say, when we cheat nature, we pay a cost. And what I mean by that is when we clean water unnaturally, we pay a cost. So, what are we, what's the cost we're paying here? The chemicals we put in the water to clean it. We then end up ingesting, which cause a whole, whole host of other you know, problems. And fluoride's obviously the biggest one. And most uh, industrialized countries have begun to remove fluoride and have removed fluoride for a little bit of time now. But Fluoridation is a big problem. But here's something super interesting. And this information is from the States, of course, United States, but, um, but very pertinent for the rest of the Western world or the rest of the world, I should say. Um, they did a study in the US where 41% of samples taken in the study in the USA found 56 or up to 56 different pharmaceutical drugs in tiny concentrations, but what? How scary is that, right? How scary is that? And actually, they're starting to find that men, this is separate from this study, they're starting to find that men are having increased estrogen in their body. And this is because over 90% of women are on the pill and those women are engaging in society. They're going to the toilet. You know, it's going all this, all this, uh, all the metabolites and all the chemicals from the pill are then going into our environment, into the water stream and they're getting cleaned. But the reality is that our clean cleaning systems don't have the capacity to remove these extremely detailed, tiny, and complex chemicals, and they're coming through to us, and we're consuming them again. Forty-one percent of these in the U.S. had fifty-six different pharmaceutical drugs. It's just—it's just really scary. It truly is. And I'll do another podcast going into detail about what's in tap water. But this is one of the many reasons that you should filter it. Okay. Not only that, there's toxins in in these waters that are. Uh, you know, that come from the processing and the pipes that they sit in and the lakes that they sit in, even though it makes it healthy enough for us to drink, it's still nowhere near natural water, right? And of course, depending on the pipes that those uh, water, that water sits in before it gets to your house and then gets into your body, it can have heavy, heavy metals in, in it. And it used to actually be, um, many years ago, the number one source of copper for people to intake copper. And some people actually had issues with too much copper because the water would sit in the copper pipes, and they would drink it, and they would have a copper overdose, essentially. Um, anyway, I'll leave that, co- that conversation for another day as well. But bottled water is good. But here's some irony for you too, right? Um, so bottled water is good, but it is in plastic. And again, that's us cheating nature. We're bottling it up. We're putting it in plastic. And what is the cost? Well, I always find this super ironic, right? When they do a, when they do a cancer rally, and particularly with, say, breast cancer and women's cancer, and everybody goes out and buys the bottle, bottled water with a, with a pink, pink lid on it. And everybody thinks they're doing their part for, uh, you know, for raising money for cancer. Studies have shown that out-of-plastic bottles become carcinogenic hormone dis- disruptors. And specifically, this is why it's ironic, because you know, we have the pink, pink water bottles for breast cancer for women 
specifically, and the hormonal disruptors that come out of these plastic bottles when they're exposed to the sun are xenoestrogens. So they mess with the estrogen receptors in your body and you've got estrogen receptors all over the place. And this is the irony, is that you're spending money to contribute to cancer research, to pay big pharma their, you know, their few dollars for their bottle of water. And what do you get in return? You get something that is a hormone disruptor that contains carcinogens. That is a bullshit deal that you're getting, right? And so this is one of the reasons that I never buy those, <laughs> those uh, pink bottles when they're trying to fundraise for them because that is not a fair deal. Right, that is not a fair deal. It's just super ironic. So the point is that you know there's a cost. There's a we always pay a cost when we cheat nature. Now natural spring water. That's where we're talking about the good shit. Right, that's the real stuff that comes out of the ground. That comes with real minerals from the earth. That is the absolute best possible type of water you can be putting in your body. And they do bottle it up in the supermarket. So and ideally glass, glass or steel, but ideally glass, sealed glass is the best thing to get this in. And you might all know San Pellegrino's is the best. The green bottles in the water aisle, they're carbonated. Some people don't like the carbonation like me. I actually hate the carbonation, but I know the minerals are super good for me. So I put it into my body when I can. There's a few different brands, but the uh, mineralized water is really beneficial. But be careful because some of these actually have added sugar, right? And you don't want to get sucked into that trap. So check the label. Anyway, so I've been raving on about this stuff, but... The big question that we're trying to answer today really is how much water to drink. And it needs to be a combination of this. It needs to be a combination of listening to your body and using the science to support your behavior. We know water is super beneficial and that dehydrate, dehydration is rampant, absolutely rampant. Most people do not drink enough water and most people might, you know, might have back pain or might have this go wrong or that go wrong. And it's not something that they might connect with water. And remember, the water distribution in your body is prioritized. So if you're drinking not enough water, that water that you're putting in is only going to the first, second, and third priority in your body. And you might get a bad back as a result because it doesn't get to your back until the end. You know what I mean? Like, or it doesn't get to working on the skin on your, the dry skin on your feet until it lasts because it's the last priority. Okay. So you need to be getting enough water and dehydration is rampant amongst the Western world. At least that's what the data says for the Western world. It might be the same for all countries. I'm not sure. But I definitely know that about the US and Australia. So I would, ex- I would suggest for you experimenting with a volume that feels comfortable and keeps you feeling normal and functional in a healthy state. For my clients, I usually aim around the two-liter target, but it depends. If I'm dealing with an athlete, we're probably more. If I'm dealing with an office worker, two liters is probably where we sit. And that's what I aim for every day. I have a 500 mil cold steel bottle and that's what I use and I fill that four times a day but it depends on you remember remember your body is designed to let you know when it needs water so it's when you have thirst that's when you drink and actually because we've got such messed up diets in the western world and we've got carbs and sugar hijacking our brain and destroying our receptor sites for the signaling from our gut I want you to do this as well every time you're hungry and you receive hunger signals from your gut First, have a full glass of water and then reassess in 10 minutes. I do that with my clients as well because, as we discussed earlier, the messaging from your gut gets confused because our diets have destroyed and manipulated that receptor site in the brain. The hypothalamus is damaged, but that's the area that receives full signals. And if that area is damaged, it's going to get it wrong. It's going to get it wrong. And I talked about the study earlier. The people that wake, wake up in the middle of the night and they are hungry almost 100% of people actually had their, di- had their issue covered by a glass of water because they were actually thirsty. So always test with water first. I can't recommend that enough, right? And then if you're hungry in 10 minutes, then you're probably really hungry. But most people, 
And this happens for me on a daily basis. I do this as well in my own life. That hunger disappears because it was actually thirst. All right. So remember, your body is designed to let you know, but we're also in an unnatural world. So you need to take responsibility beyond that inbuilt biological mechanism to give your body what it needs. For instance, as I said earlier, if you sit at a day, desk all day and, and then run a marathon tomorrow, then the water requirements are going to be far different. All right, so we're about at time, guys. So I appreciate you listening to this episode. I'm going to have to do another one on water, specifically tap water and what's in it because I've probably scared the shit out of you by telling you that, especially US listeners, since the study was in the US with the 56 different pharmaceutical compounds that pop up. And those compounds, you know, they're prescription drugs, they're over-the-counter drugs. We're talking cancer drugs. Enough people are getting those pumped into them these days. You know, it's really terrifying. So I really should do an episode on that too. But remember... If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot, share it with a friend, or please share it on your Instagram or social media story or LinkedIn and tag me because I would love to see that you are a part of the How to Not Get Sick and Die fam and I would love to connect with you. So share it on there. Remember, rate, review and share as well because you want to enter the competition. And let me know you've entered because I want to see who's talking about this show. We're going to get it big and we want you to win the free 60-minute one-on-one consultation. Woo! That's what we want happening. All right, guys. I appreciate you guys jumping on for another episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast or whichever app you use and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.